the I haven't really woken up oh, until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Welcome everybody to the Potaskew Podcast. I am CJ and always with me is my hetero life mate, Rico. Oh wait, Rico's not here. That's because I'm introducing part two of the Matt Granger story. That cool moment he was about to tell us about, here it is. I know I made you wait and that's the evil motherfucker that I am. Those first set of stories were amazing and his next set is even better. He hip checks a famous director into a bush. Wait till you hear that one. Without any further ado, here comes Matt Granger, part two. I had this really cool moment. You know, I'm a I'm a relatively self-deprecating guy when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to this shit. And I'm and I'm to to a fault, actually, and I've been told this by several people. Um that I would probably be far more successful if I was less self-deprecating, a little more, uh, <laughs> and a little more uh, aggressive in my in my manner. But um, I had this moment. We were we were uh, prepping uh, the second Fifty Shades of Grey movie. I did all three of those, and we were prepping that. And I remember I was I was with the guys, and I was we were on a on a little location scout, and and with us was like you know the first AD who was, you know, he was, you know, he had, he had first AD on like a couple of the Wolverine movies, you know, he had done a bunch of stuff. Um, you know, and I, I looked at him and I'm like, wow. And then I looked at like my boss who was the line producer and I was like looking at him and I was going like, fuck that guy did this movie and that movie and this movie and this movie, this guy's had a fucking career. Holy shit. And I looked at the, at the cinematographer and it was John Schwartzman who did, uh, who is, um, oh, yeah. he's in the, he's a Coppola, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. He's Talia Shire, he's Talia Shire's son. Um, uh, but I'm looking at Schwartzman and I'm, I'm like, I'm like, fuck, that guy's done some crazy shit. That guy has a Coppola for Christ's sake. And then I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at all these people that we're with and I'm like, wow, there's a really great group of people. I'm like hanging with the people who made those movies. And then, you know what I fucking realized that I was one of them too. <laughs> and I was, and I was like, and that was this kind of this moment of like self-realization where I realized how much I appreciate this job, you know, and this thing. And, and I, and I see it honestly as a privilege a lot of the time to be able to go to work and, you know, and be able to go and spend six months learning powerful life lessons from a guy like Russell Crowe, um, who I became very close with, um, when we did Superman and, um, that's, I mean, I can't tell the story, but, um, uh. but I can tell you that, uh, if it weren't for that guy, my life would not be the same today. My life changed dramatically because of my association for six months of, of becoming uh, that, that his friend. Um, can, and I can would, you at least? And I, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I was just gonna say, can you at least tell me? Is he? Is and if you can, I respect that. But yeah, yeah. is he? 
is he as nice as he comes across? I mean, is that I, I'm assuming Russell, such. Yeah. Russell Crowe is I will never say a bad word about him. Okay. Um, quite simply because um I was going through an incredibly difficult time of my life when I when I was with him, um, which he became aware of. Um and in the end, he did something for me that was so kind and so generous and so um, life-altering. Uh, like, legitimately, he did, I, I, I can't really go into what it was because I have NDAs. But, um, but uh, if it weren't for Russell Crowe, I'm not sure I'd be here telling this story today. I can say that. Wow. And, okay. Um, it was, a, it was, he did something of such incredible kindness for me, um, to teach me about life, um, to teach me, um, I'm considering writing this, this story into a movie because it's pretty, it's just like a tearjerker fucking story. Um, I'm considering, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but I'm, uh, yeah. And, uh, uh, but he taught me more about life. Um, he taught me more about how to cope with personal problems. Um, he took me under his wing like a teacher. Um, and uh, by doing that, uh, I have nothing but the utmost respect and the, uh, and I just, for, for, that, for that guy, I just, and, but if it wasn't for this business, if it wasn't for this business, um, those are the type of things that, you know, you know, you don't experience that, you know what I mean? Like right. people don't, you know, and, and I have to every day when I go into work and I, you know, I could be down about personal stuff. I could be, you know, feeling like, for example, my life right now is pure chaos. Like, like my personal life, because, you know, I've gone through a big breakup. I've, I've moved. I've lived in the same place for like 15 years and I was forced to move. Um, both my brother and I switched jobs at the last minute and like all happened on the same day type thing. Wow. Um, yeah, it was crazy. And I'm now to able to go when I go to work, you know, I go in and I feel so privileged to be able to be in that environment and be with those people and and learn things every day that are new and and to have, you know, accomplishments um, of my own that are that, you know, solving a problem on a movie set is a victory. And, you know, we used to, on X-Men 1, we called it Save the Movie Pin, is what we call it. Is if someone did something that kind of fixed the fucking huge problem. It's like, oh, it gets to save the movie pin. And, <laughs> you know, and I, uh, you know, and I'm, and to this day, I'm, I'm, I'm more thankful for the last 20 years of my life, as far as my career goes, uh, and I think I'm thankful for anything in the world. I, I, it has, it has changed me. It has molded me. It has taught me. It has, um. It has been therapy for me at times. It has uh, introduced me to people um, who became very, very close friends. Um, and what's really interesting about it is like, you know, if you go to work at, say, you know, say you work at a lumberyard, right? You're working with a bunch of carpenters. That's, that's the people who you're with. You know, you work, you work at, uh, you know, say you work on a railroad, you're working with a bunch of trained people, right? Um, mm -hmm. But in this business, what's what is so dynamic and so wonderful about it, and I think might be the interesting, the two aspects of it are super interesting, is that there is such a disparate amount of groups of people. You've got carpenters, 
you've got artisans, you've got drivers who know how to slam around a base camp, you know, in 15 minutes, park a base camp and put those trailers all together like that in tight spots. Um, you've got artists, you've got businessmen, you've got painters, you've got um, just basic construction, you've got um, just this, you've got writers, you've got actors, uh, you've got producers who are the money, who are the math, who are, you've got mathematicians in, you know, there's just such a wide variety of people you work with that it's incredible to see at work, you know, because you're like, no two people here are the same and no two people here are doing the same. Well, there is obviously departmentally, but there's no two people doing the same thing. So you have this really interesting cross section of people that you're exposed to at all times. And they're all very different. And you know an AD's personality, you know what I mean? And you know a director's personality. And you know a transport driver's personality, you know? And you know there, there's going to be this thing. And it's, and that, to me, is a huge part of it, is just the great amount of variety of human being you meet uh, being on a movie set. Um, that's a big deal to me. And the other thing that I actually got in a conversation with a props master about this the other day, and he... It was a pretty interesting conversations we were talking about that the that the only people who can operate like we do is the military and i'll tell you what we were talking about was not that we we're going to go murder murder innocents but the <laughs> although we probably have um but but the uh but the idea being is that we can create a self-sustaining mini city wherever we go as a film crew right we can we can drop into a place we have food we have clothing we have uh, carpenters, we have handymen, we have vehicles, we have everything. And we can, with precision, show up in a morning and build a city in, you know, an hour. And you're feeding people and you're clothing people. And you're, we, that's the kind of precision a film crew works with. And that's something that I've really, I'm really blown away by it. I love that aspect of the film business is that. Um, there is that just this efficiency, uh, of, of work for a lot of people. There's this variety of people, you know, and it's, uh, and you're always meeting new people, you know, and, and, you know, you make a friend with somebody for six months to a year and then you don't see them again for four years. And then you pick up where you left off four years later when you yeah. happen to work with each other again. Um, you know, but you, you get, you do develop very, very close relationships on film sets, um, that's why people have affairs, I'm sure. Um, cause, cause you're close, you're close. You're very, very close for a very, very long amount of time. Many, many hours in the day. Um, you know, but it's, and again, like I said, it's like that, the, the film business is the love of my life. And I, um, I'm thankful for it every second of the day. I really, really am no matter how tough it fucking gets. And it does get tough, but well, it's, um, you just validated it the fact that my job is as shitty as I think it is. So No, don't you. say that. <laughs> no. Oh, come on. Dude, I work, how do you think I feel? I work at a fucking video rental store. At least, hey, at least dude, you do something dude, you I love. You, I worked in a video rental store for fucking ever, dude. I loved working in a video store. I worked in, I worked oh, in a I video love, store. I love it too. It's well, great. You have access. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Matt, that I, um, Enrico knows this. We've talked about it, but Sadly, he doesn't remember this place, which is... The... I haven't really woken up oh, until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. 
And I know this is true because before breakfast, I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. The scary part, but I worked at a Sam Goody for like five years. Oh, yeah. Of course I remember Sam Goody. I yeah. Because my passion is music. That's right, where right my on. passion lies. Like your your passion, Rico's passion, is more in movies. My passion is in music. Um, sure. I have a what disability kind of that's not worth getting into tonight. I'm all about sharing. It's just not worth talking about it tonight. But it yeah. doesn't allow me to perform it in any capacity. But I have such a love for it. And so I, I dove into like the business end of it and also the, the history of it. So like I study music right in, that, in that regard. So... I know what you're talking about. Like sitting in yeah. Sam Goody for five years was like, yeah. you know, it was gold. I mean, it was a shitty retail job in the sense that it's it's a retail job. <laughs> you yeah, know, but at the same you know, time. I, hey, that's I I did that for years too. Yeah, you know, I, I got I got to- I got paid to stand around, dress all in black, and talk about music all day. I was yeah, thrilled, exactly. You know, so not the same changed. thing. No, not, yeah, not, not, not I, except yeah. I don't get paid for it anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> so. But yeah, the, no, that's that's like, like to be honest with you, my, my I worked in a video store for I would say, fucking geez, uh, for a good part of my twenties, from a good part of my twenties, like I would say from probably twenty two through maybe, geez, uh, I don't even know. I, I didn't get into the film industry until I was twenty seven. So See, there's late, hope for you, Rico. Blimmer. It's your year. It's your year, yeah, buddy. There's hope for me. I, I just turned twenty seven, and I there you I, go, brother. I, what am I? I mean, I love I love my job. I complain about it a lot, but I I do have that satisfaction of being able to talk about movies, watch oh, movies, yeah. just bullshit. And but one of my one of my major highlights is the video store I work at. I live out in Oakland, California. Yeah. So the the Bay Area. So uh, Colin Trevorrow worked okay. at the video store that I worked at twenty years. Oh, ago. that's cool. Right on. Right on. So when I first found out. We had uh, Jurassic World. Was we were about to get on in like a couple weeks. This guy right. comes in, and he said, "Hey, do you guys have that yet?" And I said, uh, "No, probably a couple weeks." And he said, oh, "Okay." My brother directed. I said, "Bullshit! Your brother directed Jurassic Park." <laughs> and because I was so ignorant and naive, I had never seen an uh, interview of Colin Trevorrow. I thought he was British. I thought his name was Colin Trevorrow. I thought it just sounded too. <laughs> yeah, I thought it. Was, I thought it just sounds like a very English name. It's like no, dude. Like I was like, you're not Colin Trevorrow's brother. Like, well, it's Trevorrow. It rhymes with tomorrow. And I'm like, okay, right. sure. You're fucking. You're Colin Trevorrow's brother. And he's. I was like, let me see your ID because I guarantee no one has that fucking last name. And right. he pulled out his fucking ID, and sure enough, it was like this dude's brother. I was like, dude, that's, that's fucking awesome. And this is when uh, Colin had just been hired to do uh, Star Wars Nine, which now he's right. going to do. Yeah, and so I was like, it was like a big. I was like, holy shit! I worked in the same like that's fucking yeah. awesome. I was like, can you, can you tell me about it? He's like, oh, well, I can't really tell you about it, but I can tell you that he used to work here. And I'm like, what the fuck? I got that's like hilarious. Like, separate from fucking Mark Hamill, and, and Mark Hamill's from Oakland too. But I'm like, and then it all went away. I'm I have no connection to fucking Mark Hamill anymore. I'm I'm, I'm upset. That's sad. I would love to know Mark yeah. Hamill. I think partying with, I think hanging out with Mark Hamill would be the most fun thing in the world. I would agree. But it's, I, yeah. Until he pulls out his Joker and you're just like, oh shit. 
This guy, yeah. is, this, guy, this guy is too good at being this creepy. Like, hello, Batsy. I'm going to kill you. I loved his Joker, man. I thought his oh, Joker yeah. was great. I thought his Joker uh, was awesome. The only one, the only one, and I wouldn't even say better, but Enrico, and we've talked about this, but because you can't compare it because it's apples to oranges because of on screen versus vocal, but Heath Ledger for me. But, oh, Jesus. But no, yeah. But I mean, Hamill for voice. You know what I'm saying. So I'm not taking oh, away yeah. from Mark when I say that because I've heard Joker on other DC animated that isn't done by. Uh, one of them was done by. Um, oh God, who is the the big bad guy in Lost? What was his name? Um, oh, uh, Michael Emerson. Yeah, Michael Emerson does it on. I think it's Dark Knight Returns is the uh, one he does the Joker, and it it doesn't have the same power or impact as Hamill. right. But I, but I like his premise for that. He because he chose he did an impression of Paul Lind, and yeah. I was like, that is such a really obscure voice to use for the Joker. Whether it worked or not, it was just right. like, ah, Batman, darling. Like you're just like, whoa, holy shit, that's fucking Templeton. <laughs> wow. So, uh, so I I was I was blown away. Uh, in terms of in terms of Dark Knight Returns, it was fine. But for pound for pound, the other. Joker voice that I always loved was John DiMaggio's for Under the Red Hood. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, CJ, you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who he is. I mean, I, I can't, if you put him in a lineup, I couldn't pick him out, but I'm familiar with the name and I'm sure I've heard him before. Well, he's Bender from Futurama. Oh, yeah, I know. Right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He kind of looks like, okay, really bad comparison and I'm going to show my my geekness right now, but he kind of looks like Seamus from the WWE. Like, if you put those two side <laughs> by side, it would be the same guy. Just saying. That's hilarious. He kind of looks like a redhead Michael Zapsack, actually. Well, yeah, but so does Seamus. So, uh, I'll give you that, too. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> my brother has a really interesting theory on the, on the Joker. Um, you know, it came out of everybody shitting on Jared Leto's Joker. Um, okay. Deservedly, but rightfully um, so for sure. Yeah, yeah. But the but my brother's theory is is very simple. He goes every Joker that's ever been has been perfect for its age. He goes he goes mm. think about think about go back to Cesar Romero. He goes yeah. that was perfect for the '60s. He goes you go back to Nicholson that was perfect for that era of Batman. You know then you go you to Heath Ledger. He goes that era when we were. You know, we were kind of growing up and kind of getting our, our feet in the world that Heath Ledger Batman came out. And that was sort of the, that punk rocker attitude that we still had, you know, because we grew up in the punk scene. And, you know, and then this new one came out and you're like, little shithead millennial fucking loser, <laughs> you know, and it's perfect. It's uh, perfect. It fits in exactly with the eras. You know what I mean? So you can't. And even Hamels was perfect for that era. Yeah. You know what I mean? So but that's a. Uh, I think it's. I think it's. I think the Joker is an interesting character. Who you know, again, if DC ever gets their shit straight, they can explore many, 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 many different Joker yeah, but stories. I don't, I don't want a Joker origin. Um, maybe you disagree with me on this, Matt, but I, I don't want to know where he comes from. Like, I'm sorry. Like, um, I don't I, need. Yeah, that. I can't. It, there's something about him just being what he is. Yeah, you know, just being the closest what it is. you get is killing joke. That that's fine. Never give him a name. Have him be right. a struggling comedian. Have yeah. him drop, fall in a vat of acid. Have him yeah. lose his wife to childbirth yeah. or whatever. All yeah. that. That's fine. But don't really ever agree. fucking give him a name. Don't like. Don't no. don't do what fucking Rob Zombie did for the ha- remake of Halloween. 
Don't I fucking fucking. Oh, you hit a soft spot, dude. You hit a soft spot. Oh. Is it a good way? Bad way? Are, oh, are you fair? man? I fucking hate those fucking movies. Oh my god. Ugh. Patty, my when respect I, you has risen considerably, my friend. Dude, I hung out with Zombie one night. Uh, we were shooting a movie in Edmonton, and my screenwriter friend was buddies with him. Um, and this was right after Devil's Rejects. And um, so we were, he was playing in Edmonton. So we went to the concert and met him and went, hung out on the bus and shit. And so, anyways, I was backstage with him talking, and I, I had just found out he was going to do Halloween. And I was like, I was like, dude, I go, that's, that's going to be wild because this is coming off of devil's rejects right which by the way does not if you watch it now does not hold up um but i remember i remember saying to him i was like i was like i was like dude i'm like you uh i go you could do some really cool shit he's like yeah man well what i want to do is i want to make it like not a stuntman in a mask you know i want to make it a real person mama mama and then i saw the movie and guess what it was it was a stuntman in a fucking mask and i was like come on like i was like yeah it it was tyler yeah Two seconds, and then I'll let you guys get back to your thing with the because you guys are big Halloween fans. I'm not, but I've seen a lot of interviews with Rob Zombie. Yeah. That was scary. How much that sounded like Rob Zombie. <laughs> like that was really, really good. That was frightening. I, I seriously thought he I jumped on the show for me. I used to be a big fan, man. I used uh, to be I, a big fan until he forgot what he was about. I was a fan until I saw him live, and and it sucks to say that because. I know, I know why it was as bad as it was. Apparently, because right. he's a big cigar smoker, he's destroyed his vocal cords. Basically, yeah, yeah. So like Not he surprised. can train, he can train them up to do like albums, and but that's why he hasn't put out new music in so long too. But right. So when he's on stage, and I don't know, it was like the show you went to, the one you were just talking about, but he had the crowd singing half the songs back to him. Yeah, and yeah, and, because he can't sing anymore. Exactly, and that just killed me because I am a fan. I am, and I'm still oh, yeah. a fan of the album stuff. Like I'm not. It didn't make me like no longer a fan. But anyway, right. I've heard him talk, and that was <laughs> that was really that wow. Was okay, <laughs> his bass I mean, player that, ended up his yeah. bass player married my ex, which is even funnier. Wait, 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 wait what? His Back that up. Bass player married. <laughs> I swear to God, this is no joke. I. Uh, when I broke up with my fiance back in 2010, I guess it was, um, I did my random, my random dating. And so I met this girl who was this tattoo model from Austria. And so I'm like, I'm like, okay. So we kind of had a, had a, had a run and she came over and hung out and she wanted to move here and all this stuff. And so, but I broke it off cause I wasn't done. I wasn't over my ex yet. So I, I, I broke it off with her and she goes, that's it. I'm going to move to Los Angeles. I'm like, okay. Next thing you know, next thing you know, she's she's getting married to Matt to Matt Montgomery. I'm like, that's oh, the shit. funniest. That's the funniest thing in the world. I was like, because okay. I because I had met him through Zombie, like back in that time when I met him. Like I met right. him. He's a nice guy, and I was like, I was like, that's so weird. And I was like, that's why he deleted me from Facebook. okay just for a split second i for whatever reason when you first said it i was envisioning sean yes so i was like your ex married if you run a business bank of clark county has you covered offering cash management services to automate and simplify your business banking streamlined digital banking and merchant payment processing that's a one-stop solution 
Plus, Bank of Clark offers corporate credit cards that help you optimize capital, organize expenses, and enhance your business. Whether you're looking to earn points faster or lower your APR, Bank of Clark County has the card that's right for you. Member FDIC. Cloud is powering tomorrow's transformative missions. Federal agencies are partnering with SAIC to help them meet these critical moments, where bold moves require confident blueprints, where you can accelerate transformation through consistency, where you can innovate forward and never look back. SAIC quickly and securely migrates large-scale workloads to the cloud with the confidence you need to assure your mission. Learn more at saic.com slash cloud. This girl, which I don't have a problem with. No, no, I'm no. Not that, against that's the that, zombie but... chick. Yeah. No, so. Matt Montgomery is current guy. His current guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's funny. No, but yeah, I was like... You actually do some really good fucking, like, impressions. Like, like I loved Quarter Pounder, Quarter Pounder with Cheese, but I fucking <laughs> think I love... I love uh, A Great Day for Marcellus Wallace, or A Good Day for right? Marcellus Wallace Day, even more, dude. Like, so I, I. Am, I, I, I laugh so fucking hard it's when you're hilarious. like thanks for the donut motherfucker like right it, yeah. it fucking killed me dude because it's such a great premise of just it leads what? up to marcelo's getting hit by a fucking car yeah and that just ruins the whole fucking day he's like it's a good day to be in fucking los angeles motherfucker yeah, right. i'm like <laughs> I, I, when, I, and when i watched it because i assume you you also were walking and operating the camera as so you were Walking as Marcellus Wallace, right? No, that was my buddy. My 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 friend Rahan was walking, and I was just operating. And uh, okay. then we dub, and because, we dubbed the sound later. Thanks for the dub, like, motherfucker. <laughs> 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 so, so, like, I I thought I, I I may have seen it like with light in the background, so I may have fucked up the uh, the film quality for me. But like, when he reaches out to like pet the dog, I'm like, I think his skin's white. Like no, he's a brown guy. guy. Really, I, 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 brown I, I guy. couldn't. I couldn't no, tell. Total brown like, guy. Okay, no, total brown guy. The uh, no, Which the, the funny, st- funnier the white guy. Like it's like I'm Marcellus Wallace. He's just like clear white skin. <laughs> yeah, he's a white guy. Yeah. The uh, the funny part about about that whole fucking thing. I don't know if you know the whole story of of the quarter pine with cheese thing. Um, basically, what happened is MTV uh, contest, right? Yeah, MTV did it. Um, so it was an MTV contest and this is in 2009. Um, and what happened was, is the idea was you, you did a, they, they were doing it in association with the, the, the promotion of, uh, of, Bastards. uh, Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Mm. And, uh, somewhere online is the video of Tarantino presenting us with the award and shit. Like, it's pretty cool. I, don't I know if saw you it. It's, it's, yeah. I saw it. It's fucking awesome. Actually. Yeah, it's so you, you and, did get, I was, I was going to ask, you did get to meet Quentin from that. Oh Yeah. Oh yeah, that was the Have second you... time I'd met him. Actually, first okay. time I met him was at a party when I hip checked him into a bush, which is a really weird <laughs> <What>? story. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was, it was, it was. We were, I was down uh, visiting some friends in Los Angeles, and we went out to uh, the Beverly Hills Four Seasons, and we were on the at the bar in the Beverly Hills Four Seasons. And we were standing on this patio. It's a really long, thin patio, right? And I was with some friends, and blah blah. We had a bunch of drinks and. And I was felt someone trying to, and I had my back to this this bush, and I felt somebody trying to wiggle between me and the bush, like trying to get past me. And instead of just moving, I decided to be a dick and kind of lean into it. So I lean back, and I just I go, whoever this is, fuck him, he's going into the bush. So I lean back, and I and I put him 
ass first into this bush. And I turn around, and I look, and it's fucking Quentin Tarantino. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And and so I just I I I went to help him up, and as I did. I went, I said to him, I go, Hey man, you should watch out for that bush is the words that came out of my mouth. And then, and then like classic Tarantino, the dude goes, uh, the dude goes, um, he goes, well, that would have been very helpful information one minute ago. <laughs> and I was like, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so we ended up, so I ended up in a conversation because at the time I was working for Alex Proyas who directed, uh, the crow and I robot. Yeah. And, uh, so I was working for Alex Proyas at the time. So we ended up in a discussion. Like he's like, "Who the fuck are you anyway?" So I was like, "Oh, you know, I work for Alex Proyas and blah 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 and all this stuff." And uh, who is a lovely dude, by the way. If you ever get a chance to meet Alex Proyas, do it. Um, uh, and we ended up in this like forty-five minute conversation about Alex Proyas. It was it was kind of a weird situation. So so when we won the award on MTV. And he came up to you know congratulate us, and we were and went with him after the show. I was like, oh, please don't remember the Beverly Hills <laughs> thing. <laughs> That's all I could think about. But the story behind that fucking video, the the Marcel wait, Wallace wait, wait. thing. Wait, wait, wait. Did he remember? No, and I wasn't nearly going to bring it up, man. No, I, like, I didn't no, think I you just, would, but I was just curious. I was like, no, I have a feeling Tarantino's kind of the guy who would just punch you in the mouth. Uh, <laughs> I told him now. Um, no, I. Uh, but what what the interesting story was is they so anyways the back to let the listeners know what it was it was a uh, it was a uh, Tarantino had done a uh, tour he's touring his movie and he was doing the premiere of Inglorious Bastards and for the Toronto premiere they put, MTV put on this contest that was you know Canada wide thing where you do a parody of a Tarantino scene right. So that was the idea. So they had hundreds and hundreds of entries come in. And so we came up with that idea for the Marcellus Wallace's good day. Cause we thought that was the funniest fucking thing in the world. And I still think it's far funnier than the one that we did use. Um, but we entered it, right? We entered the thing. And so we entered the contest with Marcellus Wallace and my brother and I were out on our patio at our old place. We're sitting there, we're having a beer and I look at him and I go, do you think that's going to stand a chance to win? And my brother goes, no, no, I don't. And I was like, yeah, me neither. He goes, you know, what's going to win. He goes, some idiot is going to take that, that quarter pounder with cheese scene and flip it and do it from the French perspective. And then we just kind of sat there in silence for a minute. And we went, well, why can't we be that idiot? So we, and we ended up, we ended up we ended up watching the scene, writing it shot for shot instead of covering it, like doing traditional coverage. We shot it shot for shot so we could do it as quick as we could. The next morning, the deadline, the next day, the deadline was at like four o'clock in the afternoon to enter. So we got up, shot this thing, cut this thing all in about two hours and entered it. Within, I think, 48 hours, we got a call that said, you guys are in the top five finalists or top three finalists or whatever it was. So we're like, oh, shit. And then they called us back the next day and they go, well, just so you know, you've won. <laughs> and we're flying you out for the announcement. Don't tell anybody that you've won, but you won. So they flew us out to Toronto, put us up in some swank hotel, um, dragged us onto MTV. Fucking Eli Roth and, and Tarantino said very complimentary things about us, which was awesome. And then they gave us a TV and they gave us a big prize thing. And then they, um, we went and watched uh, Inglorious Bastards with Tarantino that night, and uh, oh, he was like, "Yeah, he was yeah. in the row right. In, he was in the row right in front of us. It was it was cool as shit." And uh, 
yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a cool, cool, surprising event. You know what I mean? It was fun. And, uh, so that was, uh, August of 2009, I think August of 2009. So yeah. What they didn't was, tell uh, you in advance though, was you were going to have to pay to ship the TV back to Vancouver. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause we had to pay for that whole fucking thing. Yeah, exactly. But I think the prize, <laughs> the prize was worth about five grand. I think by the time it was all said and done, but yeah, with yeah, the yeah. flights and the hotels and, and, uh, you know, big ass TV and Blu-ray player, and they you, we were supposed to get the Tarantino library on DVD, but it never showed up. So um, yeah. we just uh, that, but, that's uh, because he remembered you knocking him in the fucking. Yeah. He's like, oh, well, part, yeah, guy. exactly. He was like, fuck that guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so that was a that was a fun that was a fun event. You know what I mean? So, but the the cool part is is that I would I would really enjoy you know working with him sometime. I think I think working. I'm really excited about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think it's gonna yeah. be cool as shit. Yeah, you made yeah. a joke about like you said. It looks like uh, uh, Brad Pitt and Leo DiCaprio are going to make basically making a movie about the Granger yeah. brothers. It looks like a Mikey and Matt movie. It's hilarious. Yeah, it, fucking, it cracks me up. I saw. I saw. I think I was like, ah, it looks like me and Mikey. It's so weird. <laughs> it's so funny. Well, maybe so, that is an Maybe you are you are an inspiration. Maybe there maybe Tarantino racking his fucking brain. Be like, who is that motherfucker who knocked me in that bush? Knocked me in that <laughs> bush. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, what it's all about. No, apparently, apparently, it's Brad Pitt plays Leo DiCaprio's stuntman. Is apparently yeah. what the story is, from what I understand. But I've worked with people who were who worked closer than before. Like I used to work with David Wasco, who was uh, his production designer for years and years and years mm-hmm. and years. And uh, you know, you get you get to you get to work with neat people. You get to get close to neat people too. You know, and that's a uh, that's enjoyable. You know, what I mean, it's enjoyable. I love Tarantino. Is there someone living or dead that you would work want to work with? Like you know, I mean. Going back oh to like, God. like someone that like above all, I'd be like, if he rose from the dead, called you up, texted you, whatever, he'd be like, Maddie, I want you to fucking work on a movie with me. Who would it be? Stanley Kubrick, without a question. Like Ooh, Stanley yeah, Kubrick. yeah, cool. that would be it. That would be that would be it. I, um, I, I just, I just, he's just, he's just on another level, man. He's just, there's Good. nobody. If there that ain't nobody ever like happens, Kubrick, and, uh, could you get him to explain Eyes Wide Shut to me? Because I still don't fucking understand it. I mean, it's beautiful <laughs> and I love watching it, but I still don't understand it. It's the one movie I've, of his I've never watched because I can't stand the sight of Tom Cruise. I just can't stand looking at Tom Cruise. Okay. So I've never actually seen Eyes Wide Shut. But you know what I did do, which was really cool a couple of years ago? Um, my ex bought me tickets to this uh, traveling roadshow of, of Kubrick type thing. And what it was, was it was, it was basically a museum um, with all a room dedicated to every one of his pictures. And in each room was, you know, original costumes, original props, his annotated scripts, um, notes he'd written to himself. Like you went into like, you know, the shining room. It was like Danny's sweater was in there. The typewriter was in there. The axe was in there. Um, uh, the carpet was there. The red rum door was there. Um, you went into the, like the clockwork orange room. You felt like you were in the, in the milk bar. Um, you know, it was, it was pretty, you know, and you went the 2001 room had the monkeys in it and it had like a HAL 9000 in it. And it was, it was all these original props and stuff. And then upstairs they had a whole other display. It was Kubrick's camera collection and it was all the lenses oh, and shit. cameras. That, yeah. That he, that, he, that he collected over the years. And it was just such a wild, uh, thing to see you know and you're going like what the fuck man you know and it's just uh i don't know i i admire him and i admire the level of filmmaker he was and we will never achieve that again no. i'm afraid no 
I will, did ne- you, will never see. Did you see Ready Player One? Not yet. No, okay. I will see it. Because did it. someone spoil any of it for you? What's that? Did anyone spoil anything? No. Like any scenes? Okay, I know nothing. You you are going to fucking shit your pants. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I and and honestly, Matt, I would love to have you back after you see it because there's a sure. part of that yeah. movie, and I, I promise you, I'm not going to spoil anything for you. But there's a part of that movie that I think you're going to fall in love with, and I would love to oh, hear nice. your perspective on it. And I, I think you're going to sure. like, the, based on the whole conversation, I think you're going to like all of it, but there's sure. a section of it specifically that I think you're just going to love. And I would love to hear your take once you've seen it. Oh, it's kind of like, like a wet nightmare. It's, because it's <laughs> kind of like a scary scene. Instead of a wet dream, it's just like, it's holy shit, this is fucking amazing. Nightmare. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. You've just coined a phrase, my friend. You've coined well, a phrase. He's coined a few. Tell him the one that's actually his his girlfriend came up with. It, but tell him the one about, I think it was Rush Hour. Isn't that the one she coined it after? It's not yeah, because Rush Hour is good I, or bad. What? Remind me. Oh, no. Maybe it was about Die Hard, the, 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 the converse to chick flicks. Oh, yeah, we were talking about uh, my girlfriend because, uh, Matt, you remember I sent you a couple of those videos I do, uh, Rico's Rants? Right. Yes, 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 yes. yes. So uh, I had my girlfriend as a guest, and we it was like our first time doing one. It, we I had this like curse where every single time I have a girlfriend, I have to show them the movie Goodfellas. Right, of course. Yeah. So I we watched it together, and I'm doing my whole thing, and then she, I'm trying to like come up with a pun to describe it, you know, and be funny, and she's like, "Well, there's chick flicks for girls. This is like a chick flick for dudes. It's a dick flick." <laughs> that's a good one and i was like that is i cannot come up with anything funny for the rest of the fucking episode that's exactly you're gonna be you gotta stare it back was, at that joke forever <laughs> so oh, that, man, that's I, I hilarious that, that is I did come very very funny my proud, one of my proudest fucking puns with her her name is stephanie and she's been on the show so i'm not like revealing anything like her name uh-huh. but i uh I, I said you gave me a steph infection Oh. <laughs> very nice. And she yeah. she reacted very positively, so I I, I wasn't in the doghouse for that. I, she actually was like, "That is fucking brilliant." I'm happy with that. But we've used <laughs> flick a couple times since then because of that. I think that works. So that's very funny. That's yeah, very funny. Yeah, the uh, I haven't thought of a good pun in a while. But it's funny. It's like that's my the, the, the chick flick for a guy is actually that's what I'm writing right now. That's the, my 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 dick flick. The one that I'm going to, uh, the one that that's the one I'm starting to starting to outline right now is actually that that story about you know it's going to be like a double wears Prada for dudes is how I'm kind of kind of just call it pitch flick, call it dick flick. There you go. <laughs> yeah, Maddie Granger presents dick presents dick flick. Like they 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 started doing porn. How awesome it's, is that? It's, it's it's very short and it was shot on an iPhone. Oh, it's a very short. Dick flick, got it. If, sure look, if they can put out a movie called Cock Blockers, I think you can put out a movie called Dick Flick. I'm just I know, no, I know. They call them they called Cock Blockers. I was like, Jesus, man. No, dude, it's just called Blockers. But there's no. a, there's a picture, there's a there's a silhouette of a chicken. Oh, no, that's true. Well, yeah, no, that's okay. True, that's true. But come on, yeah. anyone with half a it's brain knows blockers. that it's called Cock Blockers. I mean, let's be it's, real. It's so Cock Blockers. <laughs> That's so a quote. It's so, it's cock so cock. That's so cock blockers. That's so. Oh man. Oh man. 
so uh, Maddie, funny. do you do you do a Nicholson? Because you, I'm sure you. I've never. I, everybody's got a Nicholson, and that's the problem with my Nicholson. Is my Nicholson sounds too much like everybody else's Nicholson? So I never, I never actually perfected it. My brother has got a, an astonishingly good Nicholson. He does a great one, and it was it was based on a on a thing we heard on an airplane one time. We were flying somewhere i forget where we're going and there was and it was nicholson my brother's like he goes you got to turn this on and listen to this dude he's like channel 17 or whatever i say turn it on and it's nicholson reading a kid's story it was so fucking weird because because it was nicholson it was just nicholson in that nicholson drawl talking about a bear that had an itchy back and how he had itches back against a tree and it was like and you know what that bear did that bear itched its back and it was good. <laughs> and it was like I was like, what the fuck am I listening to? Oh, that is that kind of like Sam Jackson reading that. the Go the Fuck to Sleep book? Because that makes me laugh yeah, every yeah. time I've heard it. You gotta hear you gotta hear my buddy uh, uh, Dave Brocky from Guar read Goodnight Moon. It I've is heard that hilarious. I've heard that. It is so funny. He does it in character as Odorous. Yeah. Um, as Odorous, oh as Odorous Urungus. And it's just fucking hilarious. He yes. was one of the funniest. Rest his soul. He was one of the funniest fucking people I've ever known in my life. He was so good. You know they're still touring. I don't know how they're doing that without him. Uh, well, they're friends of mine. I'm, I'm actually going to Richmond, Virginia to see them on, uh, on, uh, Friday. Actually, I'm flying, oh, okay. flying to Virginia. But, to, yeah. Well, and I, I've known and those guys I don't mean a long any time. disrespect to Guar, but I'm just saying, like, he was such a big part. I mean, they all are, but he especially was like, well, it was tough. You know, like it was, it was a very tough transition for those guys. Um, I'm sure, you know, it was like, how do you continue Guar without Dave it is a, is a huge enormous question but you know what you gotta you, the, the, what you gotta look at though is what is the reality of it is that's their livelihood you know i mean well, that yeah. is yeah, yeah, yeah you know that's their livelihood and and it's for them it's i don't know if there is a choice you know i don't know like if it's well, your job and it is what you do and you know then yeah. yeah i would i would think that you would want to continue it and dave always said that you know he said that guar was the type of band that could go f- for a thousand years he goes, if we can just continue to perpetuate this thing, you know, people can come and go. That band's had 3,000 members over the years. Yeah. And, well, and, and, they, and, and they, yeah, I think they could continue. You know, right now, Mike Bishop, who used to be the bass player back in the heyday, is now the singer. So he's singing. And their music has changed quite a bit, um, which it yeah. always did, anyways. It was, it was different on every record, anyway. But, but it's changed again, you know, and, and those guys are very, you know, aware of that. And they're, uh, you know, and they're and I think they're past the struggle of it now. Like I don't think they're struggling with the how do we do this and and living in the mire and under the under the under the sort of ghost of Dave Brocky. You know, I don't think that exists anymore. Well, um, it's always going to be there. Don't get me wrong. But, right, I get that, and 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 dude, that was all very insightful, and I'm very happy you shared that. But my my question was quite literal, though. How, like, how do you right. do it? Like, what what do, yeah. what are they doing? Yeah, well, they're doing what they always did. They're so doing what they always did. They, they just put somebody they, else in the odors outfit, basically. Uh, no, I mean, no, they've, they've got a character named Blothar. Who's okay. the new lead singer? They they actually said they actually said Odorous is dead. Like they actually said okay. Odorous. Okay, is dead. well, that's he. I, and, look. I'm a fan, but I'm not an Uber fan, so I don't follow yeah, them as closely. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not. I I hadn't followed what they were doing, and they're coming to Philadelphia in October because I live you just outside. Go. Phil- I live just outside Philly, and 
I heard they were on the bill, and I'm like, how? Because I knew he yeah. had passed, and I, I didn't know they were yeah. still touring. So, Yeah, yeah. They're, they've never been off tour. They uh, Dave passed away in 2014. Yeah. In March of 2014. Um, then they took a large chunk of that time off. And then they that summer, um, they did a Gorbecue. They do a thing called Gorbecue every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they introduced the new leads. So they, we did Dave's funeral. They, Dave's actual funeral was, uh, hilariously enough, it was on April Fool's Day. Uh, we, we were at Dave's funeral, like, uh, you know, it was pretty quick after he died. But, you know, knowing Dave, it was on April Fool's Day. Like, his funeral was on April Fool's Day. And there was, you know, 2,000 of his closest friends there. Maybe right. not 2,000. It was probably more like 400. But um, his friends and family were there. And it was, uh, well, not family, but friends. And uh, there's just part of me that was like, he's going to come out on stage and fucking April Fool joke us all right fucking now. <laughs> and I was like, he's totally going to do it. But but basically what they did is that that was his real funeral. And then they gave Odorous a, f- a funeral, the, the at, character. They gave Odorous okay. a funeral at, at Gorbecue. Yeah. And then that was when they de- – that's when they uh, introduced uh, Mike Bishop's character, Blothar. It's, and became it, the new. From a larger perspective, it's sometimes, especially when you have a, a character like you do with Guar, but in general, yeah. when you're when you're trying to replace a vocalist in a band who's passed on, it's Ugh. it's hard to do. I mean, there are Ugh. very few bands that have been successful, ACDC being one of them, when they replaced yeah. Bon Scott with Brian Johnson. Um, yeah. And, and, and not oh, even death sometimes, like, and, and I'm might be starting a fight here but we'll see but i prefer sammy hagar with van halen over david lee roth so i mean you know uh, yeah i knew that was <laughs> i know i'm in the minority and i know that but i i just think sammy's a better singer like david oh, david, yeah. david lee roth's a better front man i won't disagree with that if that's the the premise you know what i'm saying like he's better on stage but when yeah. it comes to vocalism, and, and the, I think the songwriting was better. I think the, the vocals were better with Sammy. Well, they were a different band with Sammy. Yeah. I thought. I thought they sound like a completely different band. I thought, I thought the, to me, what I liked about, about, the, about the David Lee Roth years was that David Lee Roth was, it, it was just a party band. It's like you felt yeah. like you were at a high school party with your dick out all the time when <laughs> yeah. you listen to Old Van yeah. Halen. Yeah, but that's yeah, yeah. what it felt like for me, man. I was like, I was like, I was like, yep, I'm listening to Running with the Devil. I know what I'm doing tonight, you know. And that was it. And I felt like I was drunk <laughs> yeah. at a high school party. I got you. And that, was, that, and that makes sense. Know, it was party rock. It was just party totally. rock to me. Totally. You know? It was. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like you know I, you know I I grew up in the punk scene, right? So I was never really into rock. You know what I mean? Okay. I was I was more of a punk kid. You know, growing up on Black Flag and Minutemen and stuff like that. Okay. Um, you know, so I, I sort of like knew Van Halen as a kid, um, but I was never a giant Van Halen guy. Like right. I was, a, you know, I know that I know the I know the hits. You know what I mean? That's sort of the, sure, I know sure. the hits. And, and, and so yeah. do I. Like, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm some huge Van Halen fan. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. 
Cloud is powering tomorrow's transformative missions. Federal agencies are partnering with SAIC to help them meet these critical moments, where bold moves require confident blueprints, where you can accelerate transformation through consistency, where you can innovate forward and never look back. SAIC quickly and securely migrates large-scale workloads to the cloud with the confidence you need to assure your mission. Learn more at saic.com slash cloud. And like my, right, yeah, yeah. my circle falls into like Metallica, Megadeth, uh, sure, Guns yeah. N' Roses, White Zombie, you know, so. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that, for sure. That's where I hover and hang out. I mean, I listen to everything now. Like like I said, I worked at Sam Goody. So, I mean, I, I can literally on my iPod go from like Stevie Wonder to Metallica, to Slipknot, to the B-52s and, like, Ford Moves, you know, so... Yeah, that's what... Yeah, that's the same as me. I'm completely... My... my I look like a complete psychopath if you go through my iPod. It's just like... <laughs> yeah, so do I. So do yeah, I. Yeah, it just looks like I'm a com- complete and utter fucking, like, no rhyme or reason to anything, you know? It goes from, like... It goes from, like, well, you know what I'll do? I'll just... I'll flip my... I'm gonna flip that open for a second and just see what it, see what it does. Okay, yeah, so totally. my iTunes say this. So I'm just gonna scan through. Let's start with Killing Joke next to the Charlatans. Yeah. Next to uh Motorhead, next to Rufus. <laughs> Remember Rufus? Yeah. Chaka Khan. Uh <laughs> then the Bangles. Oh I got the God. Bangles here. Yeah. I've then got the, the Bangles are like right near Iggy Pop, who is right near what else we got? Uh what do we got? Gary Newman. Oh my god. Followed by Rocky Erickson. Followed by Guar. Deglo Abortions. Followed by Electric Six. <laughs> like it's just an NXS. Like what is this? This is yeah, schizophrenic. Right. right. No, that's schiz- that's that's honestly mine's in alphabetical order by artists. So uh, I, I I don't get that. But like but but what I do when I listen to my iPod is I put it on random everything. So it'll just right, yeah. jump all over the place. Um Yeah, yeah. That's funny. And to to that concert that Guar's playing out here, it it's something called the Rock Allegiance. It's a one it's okay. not like a tour. I think they only do like one show right here in Philadelphia. Right. But it's like twenty or twenty five bands. Like it's one of those all day festival things. Yeah, yeah. And Yeah, cool. And the lineup is just fucked up this year. I don't remember all of them, but like the headliners are like Slayer, Guar, and ICP. And I'm <laughs> Yeah, of course. And I'm thinking, like, this is going to be a fucking bloodbath. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. There's like, going to be people I, get killed at this thing. Yeah, I'm. I'm not going anywhere near it. A, because I can't afford yes. it right now. But B, I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Because it's also funny. here's the other thing about it. It's 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 also a um, food festival. So there's like thirty oh. or forty food trucks and like thirty or forty beer companies that come to this nice thing. so it's people are going to be eating and drinking and going from guar to icp to slayer that's funny that's it's, hilarious there's gonna be so much chunky vomit yeah <laughs> it, really it, it's gonna be woodstock 99 all over right again. exactly yeah that's exactly really what it's gonna God. be um God, this is funny i wanted to ask you about something you said a while ago do you have do you have oh, more yeah, time yeah. or do you need to get yeah going? i got okay. a little bit of time left yeah i got a little okay. bit of time left so you talked about um the Joker and the different incarnations of the Joker throughout yeah. the years. And it kind of made me think about something that Rico and I've argued about on a couple different occasions about when 
because you sat on both sides of the camera, which is why I think you can give us a unique perspective on this. But if, sure. when you when you're acting with someone else's writing, you you only have so far to stretch within that dialogue, right? So like right. people yeah. say Jared Lur's Joker was bad, and I'm not going to sit here and say it was good, but he he had to work within what was the construct of the script. Now, sure, he, yeah. he also has to make some choices, as do any other actors, and I get that, sure. so I'm not absolving him per se, but like he still right. is limited to that. So is it fair, especially for, and I'm not saying any of us, because I think we're more educated than that, but like the the trolls on like Twitter or Instagram, I'm just saying, oh, he's shitty and he should die, and this, that, you know, maybe right. not die, but you know what I'm saying, like that level of yeah. just vitriol. Well, you know what, I think that... I, 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 you know, it takes a lot of people to make a movie. Um, Absolutely. You know, it, it's not, it is, it is like the auteur thing is not around the way it was. Um, so it is truly one of the most collaborative art forms there is um, in many, many, many ways. So what you always have to remember is there is a lot of people contributing to what he did you know what i mean um a lot of people contributed to the you know the tone of the picture for example so what care what version of the joker is going to fit with the tone of this picture is you know a question that you know you have to ask the writers right um i personally think that um everything in the world starts with writing when it comes to movies okay. um i think that's i think that is where it all begins i think that's the that's the beginning and i think that the tone of the movie that they wrote, um, the design of the movie that they wrote, um, all of that led Ledger to, or led Ledger, uh, led Lito to that character. Um, that's just the way I see it. Um, you know, there is going to be those long discussions where the Joker or the actor has to sit down with the director and go, okay, what are we doing? What are we, how are we going to approach this? What are we going to do? So, you know, the director at some point was contributing to that character as well. Um, the writer contributed to it. The director contributed to it. The actor contributed probably the most to it. Sure. Um, but you know what? I, I think that when you make a movie, that's just a bad movie, uh, you're going to get a bad performance here and there. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and it's, and I don't think his performance was necessarily bad. I just thought it was dislikable. You know, I mean? that was what I, yeah. Yeah. You know, I didn't, like he's not a bad actor. He's a good actor. Like, I've seen him act a lot of times and he's really great. And I just, I just think that he, uh, you Probably know, he's a method Oscar. guy too. You know, you know, when you get into those method head spaces, like Pacino is a method guy. Um, so there's a headspace there, right? There's, there's a certain headspace. Some, some actors go to that they have to, that they rely on. Um, so, you know, I, I always find that a little much, you know what I mean? And I find it, uh, I find it can sometimes tend to lead to overacting a lot. Um, okay. That's just from what I've seen. So I think if anything, I think Ledger's Joker, believe it or not, they managed to overact the Joker, but they did. Ledger <laughs> or Lito? You know I mean? like, so acting for sure. Yeah. Wait, wait, but Matt, I, you said, you said Ledger. Did you mean Lito? Um, no, no, no. Sorry. Lito. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. No, so I'm Lito just asking because. Yeah. To, to yeah. Me, none of this has been about Ledger because Ledger was a fucking genius. Yeah. So. Oh. Yeah, there's. I, 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 I want my next Joker to be uh, Charlie Clown. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be the he'd be the fucking cruelest one there was. Yeah, he probably. The, he, he, he would just sit there and pick people apart like a narcissist until they fucking until they cried and shit. <laughs> he'd just make Batman cry. 
That would be what he do. But the, uh, the uh, no, I thought Ledger's Joker um, was pretty incredible, man. Like that was, uh, yeah, that was some, that was something. And I remember when when they cast him, I was like, that's an odd fucking choice. Yeah. And then yeah. they, and then I saw it, and I was like, my god. And then I really mourned the loss of Heath Ledger because I realized how much good shit we were going to miss in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? He was. He was a really, really good actor, and I was just, and I, I thought his Joker was tremendous. I some thought it was people, just great. Some people have said that he got that Oscar because he died. Do you think he nah. would have got it either way? Nah, I think he would have got it. I think that was okay. just a. I. The other thing is, I can't remember who he was up against. There's also that. Um, oh, true. Yeah, I, I don't remember either. Yeah, but. I don't remember who he was up against, but um, I don't remember feeling like anybody got robbed. You know what I mean? Like. There's often times when I feel a director or an actor has been completely robbed. Um, my most recent example of a robbed director was uh, was uh, was uh, George uh, George Miller for Fury Road. I think ah, I think he oh. was I think he was robbed of the best director Oscar, completely robbed. He should um, he should have won for Babe the City. Of course. It was the best thing he ever did, but I like I looked at I looked at I looked at Revenant right, and I saw Revenant and Revenant. Sure, you went up and you fucking got cold. The whole you know, sure you went and got got cold. You know, and you and you shot it with natural light. And you shot it in an interesting way. Um, not a particularly awesome movie, I didn't find. Um, and wow. I thought that, and I thought that the director was fine. You know what I mean? But then I go, yeah, but George Miller took that whole fucking roving fucking car chase for two years into the African desert directed it flawlessly to the point where that movie will be people will study and scrutinize that movie for in schools you know what I mean like Fury Road was one of the most incredible directory, directorial efforts I have ever seen in a movie and I really felt that that he got robbed of that because that was a vision. That was a huge vision. And I, I thought that if you wanted to be the art guy and give and give Revenant the best picture for art's sake, sure. But don't give the director the director the director trophy because that's that was nothing compared to what Fury Road was. You know what I mean? And the same thing, you know who else got robbed was uh was Jim Cameron. And that Jim Cameron got robbed when he they did uh when they did uh, Avatar, he was nominated for Best Director for Avatar, and his ex-wife was nominated for Best Director for um, Hurt, Locker. Hurt Locker. Yeah, Hurt Locker won Best Picture, and it won Best Director. And I was kind of shocked because I was like, "But look at what Avatar is!" You know, at the time, like that wasn't just a movie; that wasn't just directing some actors. That was an enormous vision that was just so massive that one person was able to undertake that like that is a big fucking movie and and so i think that best director oscar often goes to the wrong place like you being the best director doesn't mean you've made the best picture but it means you've had you know at least an, an enormous vision that 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 other people couldn't do and I think that, you know, when I put Hurt Locker up against Avatar, I'm like, there's no comparison. And I put Fury Road next to Revenant. And I'm like, there's no comparison with, 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 with what the directors did. What, 
what about something like uh, Goodfellas by Scorsese and uh, Kevin uh, Kevin Costner and Dances and Fools? See, for me, right. that's a hard one because I love Goodfellas more than Dances with Fools, but I see what you're saying. Kevin Costner right. made a really fantastic film, and the fact that he it's really Kevin did. Costner, and you know, it's sort of like, wow, you just kind of like, I mean, I think this is pre-Waterworld too, so he really was like right. still top, sort of top of his game and sort of just jumping into the directorial field, whereas compared to Scorsese, it's like, well, right. man, it's fucking Scorsese. Right. But the I, thing I, is, I want to say, like, I'm glad DiCaprio fucking won uh, for Revenant just so everyone could shut the fuck up about how he used yeah, to Yeah, exactly. Us. And now we don't need to fucking hear about it anymore. Like, I'm just like, I'm like, ugh. Like, no, I, did he deserve it? I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know. I sure he, he got he cold, deserved it. You know? He deserved it just for fucking like, I mean, I read that he, he was like a vegan forever. And then he ate like raw bison liver on screen oh, just for the sake of the film. Yeah. So when you lose like throwing up, you're like, all right, he definitely cares about his fucking movie, but like, yeah, so right. Just, I mean, yeah, there's, there's going to be Oscars forever. Give him, give him one. Give fucking sure, Downey yeah, Jr. Not? one. Downey Depp one. Fucking yeah. everyone, everyone gets a fucking Oscar. <laughs> well, like, yeah, sure, eventually. It. Well, now they are with the new fucking category. Don't even. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. What? It's I, a I, horseshit yeah. fucking. What the fuck is that? It's the Billboard well, Awards of fucking movies. No, that's well, terrible. Hold on. I, I look I, most as, popular as a, movie. Well, but no, but see, here's the thing: as a, as a layperson, because uh-huh. and I say that because obviously you're in the industry, and, and Rico is literally this side of the wall. He just needs the right break, honestly. Um, right. And I'm I'm certainly more uh, an observer. Like I think there are have been good movies that have also been popular that have lost out. Now, maybe the title of the category is a bad title. I won't disagree with that. But, like, for example, like, we were just talking about Heath Ledger getting the uh, the Oscar for supporting, but Dark Knight really probably should have got Best Picture that year. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it was that yeah, good Yeah, I don't remember movie. what it, it was it, up against. Yeah, I, 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 don't I don't remember what it was up against. Neither do I, but the point is it was that level of a film, and uh, a lot of people's opinions that I've read about and heard talk about was that it it didn't get consideration because it was popular. Do you know what I'm saying? So, like, I'm not saying just throw any, like, just shit, you know, don't put, like, cock blockers in that category, no matter how well it does. But, like, if you have something like... Like Black Panther or the Infinity War. Now, I know you said you can't connect with the Marvel ones as much, but Black Panther had a serious impact because sure. of the of what it talks about. The con- right, exactly. Yeah. So it's for sure. Uh, if you're gonna put movies in that category, then it has to be popular, but it also has to be relevant in the sense of good content. So don't put just some shit movie in there because it was popular. Does that make sense? But I don't. But, but but what is the criteria by which they're by which they're judging? Is it that, is it box office? Oh, that I don't know. That's what I'm. That's See, a good but that's question. The thing is like that. Yeah. That to me seems to be the yardstick. It doesn't seem like you can vote for what's most popular because you're measuring it by a larger audience saying, "Well, this was worth a billion dollars to this audience." You know, I, I Fifty Shades of Grey. That. Fifty Shades of Grey. The first movie made nearly eight hundred million dollars. Eight hundred million bucks. And was it an Oscar picture? I don't think so. You know, I worked on it, but I, I <laughs> certainly wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't have it. You know, but that year it probably grossed more than anything, so it would have won that Oscar. You know, so if I'm that's like, the 
If that's the yardstick, yeah, I, I understand. If that's the yardstick, you know, so what are you what are you measuring it by? You know, like the day, like you know, there's gonna be like like the, the day of the blockbuster is over. Like there is no such thing as a blockbuster anymore because every movie breaks a record now. Right. right? This is the thing that happens. Is like everything comes out, everything breaks a record. You know, and so to unless to say what's unless it's what younger hoses. Unless it's, unless it's unless it's cock blockers, the uh, yeah. right. But yeah, but you know, you know, I I, I don't know. I I, I get, no, I get you know, what like, you're saying. It's like you, you look at the Billboard Awards, and all they're doing is rewarding your rewarding your your sales. You know, right. so I right. so what this this award to me, it isn't going to be a group of nominee nominees. It's going to be who made the most money. You know what I mean? And I think that that's sort of what it is. And if yeah, if is there artistic merit in that is the question. Is like, did it win because it was it did carry artistic merit, or did it just win the box office? You know, so that's sort of the that's sort of the the question for me. And the other question is why. You know what I mean? Why? Well, I the, 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 the why category kind of just sounded like an MTV shallow award, like most right, popular exactly. movie, it's like best kiss. It's just yeah, it, it, you know, best kiss. Uh, yeah, I had well to go with what you're saying about Avatar. If if they had that category, Avatar would have won most popular. Right, movie. it would have. Yeah, it would have. And, and yeah, absolutely, and he's gonna make his fucking five or four or hundred sequels. And I mean, <laughs> look, you're a fan of Avatar. Do you do you really need four more fucking sequels? No, you don't. You know, what? sequels eventually lead to undermining the product. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that's what's. This is what's happening with Star Wars. This is my fear of Star Wars right now is that I don't think that uh, that by continuing to bombard people with a yearly Star Wars movie is a really good idea at all. I think it's a really bad idea. Um, I agree. You know, and, um, you know, and I think that you start doing all these sequels and prequels and side projects and all this other shit. I think that you dilute the product you know what i mean and like for example i think i think it was you the other day actually put a comment are you, are you gonna write a are you gonna write a solo post i think it was you that said it i can't yeah. remember someone yeah. yeah and my answer my answer to it is is like the thing is solo was fine and that's the problem is it and it made me think less of rogue one because what i realized they do there's a there's a stamp there's a template that they're using for these Star Wars stories that I'm just starting to wrap my head around a little bit and that template is introduce the misfit character the misfit character then gets sent on to do something that they have to do that is against their own wishes or whatever then they have to go get a thing and then when that they get that thing they realize they got to go get another thing and then they finally at the end fight the level boss and you know employ all the things they learned and you just described solo, a Capcom game Sure. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, that's what they are. They're video games now. You know, that's I look at Rogue One and I look at I look at Solo and I'm like, OK, we're at the part with the train now. I'm like, OK, <laughs> you know, now I got to now you got to escape Corellia, you know, yeah. and it's like so it just does this. They, and but they're a cookie cutter and you don't realize a cookie cutter until you think about it. And you go, yep, it's Misfit has to go get the thing to get the next thing to get the final thing. And there you are. And there's five five action sequences. You know, Rogue One does it too. Rogue One does the exact same template, and it made me really upset about Rogue One after I realized it. Maddie, can I run my? Uh, I have a Star Wars I, uh, movie idea. I want to run by you guys. Yeah, let's hear it. All right. It. So, 
what I would love is to have basically, uh, they sort of did this. I mean, CJ hasn't seen Solo, so I'm, I'm trying not to spoil too much. That's all right. Go sort ahead. Of, at this point, well, they, they they sort of did what I was thinking before I even saw Solo, which was I want to see the Godfather Goodfellas of Star Wars. Sure, I want to yeah, yeah. see hardcore. I want to see a movie all about like, like have like Jabba the Hutt be essentially the Don Corleone. Which sure, if yeah. you really look they're not that fucking different. Um Right, of course. They're even the same fucking weight. Um yeah. so <laughs> but so you have the characters that are sort of semi introduced in solo, which is uh you have the criminal underworld, you have Lando, because I don't think they're gonna make another solo movie with Alden Ehrenreich, but they will definitely fucking make a, a Lando movie with fucking um Childish Gambino, whatever the fuck his actual name is. Right. Um, well, their, so, their plan was to do three. Their plan was to do three. He, yeah, but I think I think Alden did okay. He did better than I expected, but I still mm. expected. I think we just had more. You know, I think we all would have just preferred having old Harrison Ford stubbornly saying, "I'm 23 years old," and be like, <laughs> "All right, that's it. We're just going to accept uh, that this is young Godzilla." Um, but I wanted I wanted to tie in because we all want an Obi Wan Kenobi movie. We all want a Boba right. Fett movie. Right. So combine everything, have it all sure. about the seediness and crime world, which Boba Fett's a part of. Yeah. And then you have, and then uh, spoiler, CJ, fucking Darth Maul, as you realize, oh, is that. basically the big boss. Right. Yeah. Sort of, he, he's sort of the big boss of the criminal underworld. And now Darth Maul has this whole thing about wanting to kill fucking Kenobi. So right. you have you have him uh, send out Boba Fett. So you have your Boba Fett movie. You get the fucking mm-hmm. you know you don't you don't ever show his face. You get the same fucking actor who voiced Jango Fett uh, right. to supply the voice. You never see Boba's face because if you see Boba's face, it uh, it just kills the whole thing. You, if right. you see Michael Myers's face, you see fucking you know. If you take off the mask, it kills it completely. It's like hearing, it's like hearing, it's like hearing Charlie Chaplin's character talk. You just like right. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to see that. The magic, right? Gone. Exactly. So exactly. Yeah, Bo- yeah. Boba Fett going out doing his own fucking mission. Blah blah blah. And then you have um, so you have Darth Maul periodically getting fucking info. At the same time, the other half of the movie is Kenobi, like keeping eye on young Luke from a distance, and and maybe meeting up with him. Not so much like a Doc Brown and Marty McFly thing, but mm. you have to wonder, like for Back to the Future, how the fuck Marty and and Doc, uh, Doc met? Because that, that's a right, bizarre yeah. fucking relationship. Yeah. So how the fuck did old Ben Kenobi and Luke fucking stumble upon each other? Kind of right. like, oh yes, I I know all about you. You're like what the fuck? Um, so then you find you Boba finds Kenobi on Tatooine mm-hmm. and then tells <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. In a world that's a little simpler comes the tale of Veltima fungicide. Swift, simple, and secure. 
It's a corn-growing story without all the drama. Unless you add totally epic music, really random sound effects, and a cool announcer guy. Get ready for the blockbuster yields of the summer with Veltima Fungicide from BASF. Coming soon to a field near you. Always read and follow label directions. Fucking mall. And this is kind okay. of funny because Rebels fucked it all up, but yeah, Rebels really up. threw a fucking wrench in that. Yeah, so I'm really disappointed. But you could still tweak it enough where you you could tweak it where like, well, I still have to fight the fucking Phoenix Squad or whatever the fuck, but I'll still go to Tatooine. And so he goes to Tatooine, and then he has that fucking... I mean, Rebels is a decent enough show, but that fight between Maul and Kenobi, as brief as it was, was yeah. fucking bad for me. I thought it was great. It was so... It. And it was just the fact that his lightsaber just was cut in half, and he just kind of relaxes it so both ways. So you just realize he's been fucking sliced in half down the middle from, like, head up down to the fucking ground. Right, yeah. Yeah, and Kenobi is kind of like in a weird way holding him together, like he's kind of like sure, yeah. holding his his parts together as giggity. Um, so yeah, I had my whole fucking, I had my whole fucking thing, and then Rebels like they made their own awesomeness, but I still think I don't think a Kenobi movie by itself would work. I don't think right. a Maul movie by itself would work. I don't think a Boba Fett movie by itself would work. Although right. James James Mangold would be the man to do it if he if fucking you know, right he would. Through. Sure. I mean, what he did with Logan was fucking brilliant. Um, and he could, as long as they don't recast Boba, that's all I'm, because I'm a type of guy who really fucking prefers continuity. Like, I really am I'm a hardship for that. Yeah, I think you should be. I think you should be. I think that they've, ex- they've given us continuity. We should actually be paying attention to it. So I think it's, you know, they're trying to keep it. You know what I mean? So I, still, I, I, I completely I agree. I still want Hayden Christensen as bad as he was in the prequels. I still want him to show up in like episode nine and as a force ghost and like verbally bitch slap Kylo Ren and be like, dude, you <laughs> fucking owe daughter an apology. What's wrong with you? Here's the other fucking part, dude, which is like going to make you like all fucking mad is, is there is a line in fucking force awakens where, um, Kylo Ren's talking to the helmet and yeah. he says, he says, show me again, the grandfather. He says, show me the darkness again, meaning to me that he's seen it from grandfather once already. However, I don't think that I think because Anakin was redeemed, he's not going to be showing him something. So that implies that he's been visited by an Anakin force ghost to me is what that scene implies. Show me again. The dark power of the dark is what that line is. What I always thought, what I always thought was going to be fucking great, and I thought they were going to do it, was that Snoke was actually putting fake projections of Anakin Skywalker into fucking Kylo Ren's head, and that would have been cool as fuck. That, that, and that's what that would have been cool as fuck. I read, a, I, read a, I read a theory by you once. I think it was about a year or two ago, uh-huh. where I said, "What if there are two different types of Force ghosts? What if there's a light sure. side? What if there's a dark?" Because there's oh, there balance go. on both sides. So, uh-huh. theoretically, there is evil Yoda ghost somewhere out there. I can and see maybe, that. maybe the Luke that we got was the dark side fucking Luke. Sure, maybe I that's why it didn't, that. seem like, it didn't seem like Luke at all. Because somewhere in another fucking park, call it Ock Free, you know, right. fucking 
you know, you have your actual Luke. He's just kind of like, what the fuck? Everyone's telling me I'm dead? No, dude, I'm still alive. Right. So yeah, me, yeah. I can see what I, you're saying. I remember, I, remember, I remember that part where, like, Kylo's getting some fucking tutelage. And I, I agree. Uh, it could have been totally been Snoke fucking with, with, um, with Kylo and, and everything. Right. Um, but it also it could just... It could be two separate. Uh, it could be two separate yin yangs of the force. So I, I think that. that would be more interesting. Uh, where it's Vader, and then and then you can see that conflict where it's, it almost is like a devil and angel on the show on Kylo's sure. shoulder. Where That's it's interesting. it's fucking Darth. It's Darth Vader in the costume, in the helmet, and everything, and it's so almost silhouette is red because usually the force ghosts are usually kind of bluish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you That'd have it like kind of. Yeah, so like have a Darth Vader red silhouetted fucking Force Ghost arguing with Anakin Skywalker and like That's Kylo Ren is, at all. Kylo Ren is in the middle, like two like a kid with his parents fucking screaming at each other and like the middle huh. of a divorce. Like That's actually a pretty interesting then, idea. But I also think they should bring fucking Padme. You know, bring bring her back. I mean, Natalie Portman does not need to be covered in Star Wars again. She right. she's she she can move the fuck on, but I I right I was I was really hoping fucking Ryan Johnson with with the time jump the uh, the, the um, time travel shit I thought there was going to be a hardcore connection to the prequels I thought they were going to make a bold statement which is if you don't like the prequels fuck you they are part of Star Wars you have I to was expecting it. it yeah I was expecting I was it. hoping and, and honestly that would have been a really risky move. For Ryan Johnson, because look, at this point, anything that any filmmaker does for anything with Star Wars or Marvel DC, the fans are going to be in uproar. And that's right. Yeah, I've I've said it before. The fucking best things and worst things about Star Wars is the fucking fans. And I'm a fan. You're a fan. CJ's a fan. But like there are these fucking trolls that just like making like bullying the shit out of people to the point where they're like contemplating suicide. Like, yeah, I, didn't I, like I saw Jar- that. Like, I didn't like fucking Jar Jar Binks. I had a birthday party where I beat the shit out of Jar Jar Binks because there was a guy in costume that my <laughs> mom, had, like, she knew this guy and he had like a Jar Jar Binks, like, mascot costume. She brought him to oh my, my party. God. It was circa 1999. I was eight years old and I just ran up and punched Jar Jar in the fucking stomach. <laughs> And I mean, I wasn't stupid. I knew it was a fucking guy, but I was just more pissed off that my mother was like insisting, like Jar Jar is <laughs> going to be you know her fucking party. And That's hilarious. So I think uh, I think Star Wars has hope. No I think intended. so. You know, I think so. I think they are. I think they're starting to realize there's a problem. Um, I just you know, I I, I I believe it. I think they. I think there's no way. They're not looking at some of the feedback and and taking it to heart. You know what I mean? Um, well, if they had actually looked at the feedback during Last Jedi, they would not have fucking fired uh, Colin Trevorrow. They would have listened to Mark Hamill. They would have, you know, I, I mean, do I think Kathleen Kennedy needs to be booted? No, but I think she needs a serious fucking understanding <laughs> that what she wants is not the same as what we want. Right, exactly. I think that's completely true. I think I, 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 oh, sorry, I lost you there. No, no, you're good, Matt. I didn't mean to cut you off. Please. No, I was, I, you know, I, 
I don't think she has the agenda people are saying she has. I, I just think that she's giving, you know, I, I think in, I think in the case of, of Ryan Johnson, for me, the way it seemed um, from everything I heard, from everything I read, from the way it just looked when you saw things, she sounded like she was giving him far too much leash. And I think, oh, that, yeah. again, again, this is the problem when we, when it came down to stuff like, uh, you know, when it came down to, um, uh, what do you call it? Like if any of these movies that they do give the director leash and it seems like that's what she does, man, I swear to God, they had to reshoot the last fucking half of rogue one. They had to reshoot the entirety of solo. They had to reshoot stuff, you know? So what they're doing is I think they're kind of getting the idea now that like, Oh, maybe we are giving them too much leash, you know? And I think that, you know, while it's good to be an auteur, you got to have someone there to tell you fucking no. And this is a problem with, with what I felt was with George Lucas's movies, which I'm starting to actually appreciate now, um, is that no one was there to tell George no. No one did it. No one said no, George. You know, and no is a very important part of the process, uh, part of the creative process and the filmmaking process. There is no, you know what I mean? And there are studio people who will tell directors, other producers will have to say, no, we can't do that. You know, no, I don't think that works. You know, and there has to be, there has to be that dialogue or otherwise, you know, my brother and I call it the, the curse of knowing. And it's, it's, and what the curse of knowing is, is, it, is that you know too much about your own product. You know too much about your own script. So you then fuck it up, you know, because you, you, you assume other people are aware too. You know what I mean? And right. I think that that's sort of a, a danger when it comes to these Star Wars movies is that, you know, I think Ryan Johnson made his movie. And he knew what he was doing, but didn't let anybody else in on the joke. And no one told him no. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's and that's that's eventually led to a movie that was just remarkably disappointing. You know, that's the only way I can describe it is just what, remarkably disappointing. What, what Star Wars needs is it needs a fucking Kevin Feige. It needs someone who knows the lore yeah, in and out. It does. And his name is and, Matt Granger. And he works. <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, Rico, I mean. Yeah. Real quick, because so Matt, we did this thing several episodes back. I don't remember which one it was. We're both fans of the show Dinner for Five with John Favreau. Did you ever watch uh-huh. that? No, I didn't. No, I didn't so it. the concept is John Favreau would sit down with like four or five other people he knew at dinner, literally at dinner, and they would just film it and they would have a casual conversation about whatever came up, kind of like this, but sure. different. And so we decided to do our own dinner for five in the sense that we couldn't sit down with five people and have dinner, but we picked our five and why we would do it. And right. I think you would find Rico's really interesting. Do you remember your five? I think I do. I think I said, I mean, I, 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 would, I, was, I would be at the table, but I would not be really part of the conversation. I'd just be kind of like the waiter in the background. So sure, yeah. it, would be, it would be Kathleen Kennedy, Colin Trevorrow. Uh-huh. J.J. Abrams? Did I say J.J.? No, I don't think J.J. Kevin, Kevin, it was the three I remember that are vital to the conversation are Colin Trevorrow, uh, Kathleen Kennedy, and then Feige, because you wanted Feige to tell Kathleen Kennedy how to do this. Yeah, and I, and, and I also had Mark Hamill yes. and Kevin Oh, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's a great idea. And I didn't, I didn't, I was very adamant. I was like, I do not want these guys to gang up on Kathleen Kennedy, you know, saying you're ruining this. I don't want there to be, I mean, there's a lot of fucking flack about how she's a woman and running Star Wars. And I'm like, you know, 
who gives a shit what the gender is? If you love something, you love it. And if you know it, you know it. I don't give a shit yeah. what I don't care what your ethnicity is. I don't care what your gender is, whatever. But I completely agree. I was very I was very much like she just I think she I mean she sort of rose to the ranks because she was uh, Spielberg's assistant. Was that where she came from? Yeah, she was his sure. assistant and then she and then she became a producer. On like Raiders. She, I think her Raiders like was she, had, she was the assistant. She was a, what? She was the assistant on Raiders. That's where she got the start. Yeah, I she know was the assistant on Raiders, and then she like worked. She like, I mean, Kevin Smith has this great line where he's like, "In the Hollywood world, when you become producer, no one goes to film school wanting to become a producer, so you just sort of fail up." Right. Exactly. It's totally a way of failing upwards. Complete. That's how you become a studio executive too. So, I was of the opinion that like she should just. I wanted to know more about what her decision was to stand behind Ryan Johnson's vision, to completely mm-hmm. ignore JJ's uh, decision, to fire Colin without really right. any out, and and to ignore Mark Hamill's like pleas, like basically saying like, "Look, if anyone knows the fucking character of Luke, it's me." Right. And I'm not exactly. just I'm not just agreeing that Ryan Johnson knows his shit because he very kind of like snarky like published photos of his library and there was like some star wars books and it showed like a passage of like the ways of the jedi where it was like a a force projection essentially that yeah i saw that yeah so that's in the lore but at the same time we're like well okay that's an interesting fucking thing but couldn't have luke been on that fucking planet still die like say luke dies regardless of of the ending of last jedi could he have actually physically been there to die? Right. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? What? What? What would that take from us apart from the like? Okay. So he he basically sent a Skype message. No, no pun to the fact that we're <laughs> on Skype, but like he basically had a <laughs> Skype call and just like his lost connection. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. And why did that? Why did that kill him? I mean, you're, you're I you don't know, know you know much about Star Wars, like. Is is the is there like a force power battery that just was depleted because he like no, used we up all about this. shit? Well, we here's we the talk- thing: is they they added a line in the video in the in the DVD when the DVD came out. They added a line where Kylo Ren says to he when he thinks Rey is projecting herself, he goes. They added in a line. He goes, "You can't be doing this because the the, the effort would kill you." Is what Kylo Ren says to Rey now in in the version that came out now in the theaters. It didn't say that. So they've added that little line of dialogue to sort of like make it make sense. You know what I mean? So it's, you know. But why would that kill him? That's what I'm saying. I don't like, know. Why would that? No idea. Yeah, that's my point. All, no if they idea. just said, oh, well, if, if, you, if, you tra- if you fucking transmit yourself across the universe, then mm-hmm. that will fucking kill you. And here's why. But like, right. just even just say, oh, the midichlorian can't like will fucking deplete. Even just, just to be that douche, say midichlorians. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know. I, uh, honestly, I, uh, we can we can do this till the end of time. Yeah, Matt. We and, really can. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, honestly, dude, I want to fucking thank you. You you've been like you've been yeah, awesome you gotta, on you the have show. That meeting, don't love you? to have you back, dude. I'm 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 happy to help out, man. I'm really happy to. Uh, I'm really happy happy to gab about this stuff, and it's and you know, and I to be honest with you, I enjoy you know, sharing stories and I enjoy, uh, you know, sharing little bits of knowledge here and there, you know, what I, what I've learned over the last 20 years or so, you know, I, to me, uh, to me, I'm always happy to help somebody out. 
And, you know, that's, that's how we get by in the world. And that's totally. how, you know, that's how, you know, like I, I, a, a, a fellow filmmaker, you know, who I kind of know messaged me last night. He had a, some of his financing fall through for one of his pictures that he's doing. And he's in a kind of a panic mode. And so he just out of the blue kind of just messaged me. And he's like, you know, I need this amount of money. Cause like my, you know, I had this investor for X amount of millions or whatever that fell out and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And he's like, would you mind, would you have anybody, you know, like that, you know, you know, and I immediately connected him with three different people. And the reason I did it, he was like, he's like, he was, I can't believe you'd share your contacts with me and do this, you know, and go and go out of the, out of your way to, to help me. And I'm like, dude, that's what it's all about. You know, totally. that's, that's what we do. You know, like if, if more of us were like that, we'd probably live in a better fucking world. You know what I mean? And so that's the, that's the thing. So I'm happy to help you guys at any time. And, uh, and I had, I had a, I had a great, I had a great, I should run, but I, but I've had a great time. No, and we we appreciate it. And listen, Matt, even we don't have millions of followers or anything like that. But if you want to come out here on our show and announce something, you're welcome to it. I mean, we'll we'll to. get it out there and broadcast it as best we can. So consider us a to, a vessel if you ever need it. You know, I do appreciate it. I do appreciate it very much. And you never know. You never know. Things 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 change in the business overnight. So you never. That's know. That's what they say. <laughs> yes, sir. I so, saw it happen no, to Hugh Jackman. So. <laughs> so so thank you thank you uh i'll echo rico's sentiments thank you for coming on man it's it it's been one of the most exciting conversations i've ever been a part of period ah, so well, you, you you got you got a few of the stories there's another 20 years of the stories <laughs> we'll, we'll so, have we'll, to we've many many again. many more episodes my friend yeah sounds good man all right uh, all right thanks, guys. Matt. Well, thanks again no problem at all you guys have a have a good night you too my man you too man thank you so Take, much anytime all right. So, Rico, um, we're still recording, so just be aware of that. I wanted to end the show off, but I wanted to let Matt go do what he had to do before we closed it off. Um, See, wow. I was worried. It's like, really the only word like, I have. What? I was worried that, like, you know, he was going to be like, dude, I got to go. Like, thanks for letting me on. But we're like, he, he just was the fucking gift that kept on giving my he was friend. Awesome. Like, really great guest. Um, that's not disrespect to any of our previous guests. We've all, we've had some really great guests up to this point and including, so it's just getting better and better. So, um, no to future guests. If you got some fucking stories like about making someone's career and about, you know, even if you're just knocking a celebrity into a fucking bush, like, <laughs> we want to hear that shit, dude. That Hugh, like, that Hugh Jackman story blew my fucking mind. Blew my dude, fucking I, mind. I, the when he went on his first arc because he had like a whole arc of like let me tell you about this story and he was name dropping. Yeah, not in a not in a shitty way. It was no, very no, no. much like like I mean he was just kind of like oh yeah you know Brian you're like well, fucking singer <laughs> you're like yeah yeah. 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 <laughs> he's talking about Brian Singer like I talk about you like and I don't mean that in a negative way but like you know what I mean like you know Rico called me last week I, you know <laughs> I know I, I, there was one point I really wanted to ask but he just I mean he look he he fucking controlled the show today like you would this may have been like the first time where I was like I'm just gonna sit back and shut the fuck up <laughs> um he, I mean he I wanted to ask him like like Dude, do you ever get like a combination of both starstruck and like normalcy where like yeah. Ryan Singer calls you and you just look at your phone like, 
dude, Brian Singer's calling me. And then like, oh, well, it's just Brian. But you're like, holy shit, Brian Singer's calling me. Yeah. Like, well, I really we'll want to, to ask that, you know, because, we'll to, because you can... in retrospect, he is sort of that now for us. Where it's yeah. like, dude, Maddie's calling me. But holy shit, Maddie Granger's calling me. <laughs> <laughs> no, he he was awesome. I'm really glad he came on. It was it was really intriguing. He really had a lot to say, and it sounds like he's really excited to come back. So I'll be glad to have him back whenever he wants. So, um, hey, so everyone listening, it's a long one. We're probably you're probably hearing this as a part two because looking at the length of this thing, I'm probably going to split it up. But, um. Thank you all for listening. I Normally, we have some funny way to end the episode. I, I can't. That would disrespect what we just listened to for the last three hours. So, thank you all for listening, and we'll definitely catch you on the next episode. Bye, guys. Here are a few thank yous, and I'll let you know how you can get in touch with and follow the show and us. First, a very big thank you to our special guest, Matt Granger. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Reverend Matty. And while you're online, check out his website, The Granger Bros, at www.thegrangerbros.com. For Podeskew, go to iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music to listen to, subscribe, rate, and comment on the show, or the Listen Notes podcast search engine at www.listennotes.com. Go there, type in Podeskew, all one word, and you can stream it right there. If you want to agree with or yell at us directly, follow Rico, me, and the show on Twitter. The show is at Podeskew, Rico is at Rance Rico, and I'm at M underscore Blade. If you need to contact the show for promotional reasons, tweet Stephanie at Podeskew PR. As I mentioned before, our special guest Matt Granger is at Reverend Maddie, and also on Instagram at Reverend Maddie. Check out Rico's YouTube channel, Rico's Rants, on YouTube at www.youtube.com slash Rico's Rants. Thank you to Dubbed in English for our opening theme music, 96 Reasons. They're no longer online, but you can contact me for a copy of the full song or the whole Plan 9 EP. Thank you to Samuel Lemons for our closing music, Theme Askew. You can find his music on SoundCloud at www.soundcloud.com slash Samuel-Lemons. Finally, our biggest thank you is to you, everyone, for listening. Rico and I really appreciate your time and look forward to bringing you another exciting episode soon. Thanks for the donuts, motherfucker. Sigues estando protegido. Este otoño estaremos poniendo dosis de refuerzo para ayudar a prolongar esa protección. No olvides que el Departamento de Salud de Virginia sigue siendo tu mejor fuente de información sobre el COVID-19. Para saber si puedes recibir la dosis de refuerzo y programar una cita, visita vaccinate.virginia.gov o llama al 877-829-4682. Este es un mensaje del Departamento de Salud de Virginia. 